welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Onshore podcast. A big shout out to Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of the oil and gas industry. Hey everyone, look, not only do you get awesome weekly content by listening, now you've got a chance to win some serious swag brought to you by Technip FMC. Each week, one lucky listener will win a bundle of gear, which includes everything I'm about to list. Seriously, everything. An audio duffel bag, a Yeti tumbler, an executive power bank power charger, a Columbia neck gator, and a set of Ace Pods 2.0, which are the true wireless Bluetooth earbuds. All you got to do is click the link in the show notes and enter your information to win. Simple. Now go get your swag on. Welcome to this week's episode. I'm here with Nick Williams, account manager at Dig. Nick, I'm so glad that Tim made the connection to get you on the podcast. And you know, it's kind of funny because we actually met when this whole Corona economy quarantine double black swan event really kicked off back in March. I don't know exactly remember how we got connected, but we somehow got connected on LinkedIn. Do you remember? Cause I, we ended up getting on the phone yeah. and chatting yeah, it up. I mean, how did we meet? <laughs> yeah, it was through LinkedIn. You had posted something on LinkedIn and I kind of replied to it saying, man, that's awesome. A really great job. And it just started a conversation. We just started talking back and forth and then we had a phone call and that's right. I kind of told you I had been thinking about doing something and you really encouraged me. You said, you know, if it helps one person, then it's worth it. Right. Mm. And, and that's where it clicked with me. And then, you know, the Friday freebie started for, for me on LinkedIn and, Heck and that's, yeah. that's how we got it rolling. And then we have JP Warren, another common connection. So yeah. Oh, JP, shout out to JP. I love that guy. Yeah. You know, it's great, Nick, to see. I vividly remember now having the conversation about, you know, just, you know, what are we going to do during this downtime? Everyone's down and out. Everyone's looking for some hope. And you just had such a great idea and, and something that you were so passionate about, you know, just providing, you know, creating great awareness around faith, integrity, hard work, accountability, which ultimately is kind of what Friday Freebies is about, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. It's just leadership and leadership development. And I think to me, leadership is influence. It's something that I've always been passionate about. And man, it's, it's awesome that those values are, are, are things that you picked out of what we've been doing with Friday Freebies. And Hell yeah. yeah, that's exactly what I want it to be, man. Just a positive message. Something I pulled from that week, a you know, book that I read or, or listened to really these days. But yeah, yeah. Any type of inspiration that, you know, hey, it clicked with me. It might click with somebody else, right? And try to humanize some of that. And it's been fun. It's been fun. No, good for you, man. Well, hey, look, I want to, before I forget, I want to mention our good friend Tim reached out to me last night and create, and, and we all have a good idea here. So you've got a really interesting giveaway. And I know that a lot of times people are giving away things like, you know, coolers and tumblers and stuff like that, but you kind of have a unique prize to give away. And I'll let you talk about it, man. Why don't you go ahead? Yeah. So, so at dig, we're just, we're doing everything we can to get our name out there. We want to, you know, brand awareness as our good buddy, Tim would tell us. Yeah. Kind of in conjunction with the OGGM podcast and what you're doing, man, we want people to have another way to listen to what you have to say. So we're going to give away a pair of a set of Apple AirPods. Nice. And when this thing drops, we'll have some instructions on what you need to do, but it's the basic like the page, share the post, follow, follow dig on LinkedIn so that we can 
continue to, to show what we're doing to differentiate ourselves in the motor industry, but also give you guys a shout out of what you guys are doing and, and keeping people on the front lines of what, what's going on in our industry and, and positive stories. So like I said, a pair of Apple iPods, as soon as this thing drops, we will have detailed instructions on what you need to do to get in or to win. Awesome. No, that's great, man. I think it's, you know, it's funny. And I was telling Tim yesterday, I said, man, you know, there's for years I've gone to these conferences and have like gotten all these this swag giveaway and Yetis and Arctic coolers. And I'm pretty sure Yeti has made a significant and Arctic as well has made a significant amount of revenue off of oil field service companies, you know, making whether it's coffee mugs, beer mugs, you know, 24 ounce, you know, like where you can fit four beers inside of them. Like just like you name it, they come in all different shapes and sizes. And man, why don't you, you know, let's come up with something a little different. I think you know, it, it, it kind of parlays into, you know, like you said, give you something to listen on. And so I, I think that's a great giveaway. So I shout out to you guys, man. That's, that's really cool. It's a great business model. You know, a shout out to the oil and gas industry. You know, they're using all those, you know, that petroleum for the products they're making and then they're selling it back to the guys that made it. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no kidding, man. Well, man, it's great to have you on the show. And th- actually, this is not your first rodeo, man. You've actually been on a- another podcast, right? Yeah. So I've done a couple different ones. I did JP Warren's podcast. I've done Sally Hollingstead, which is she's doing some awesome things with Winco, Women's Energy Network of Colorado. Awesome. So a couple different ones, man, but excited to be on here with you. Excellent, man. Well, yeah, it's definitely a pleasure. But before we get going, I just want to highlight some fascinating technology provided by our sponsor, Technip FMC. So Technip FMC's FrackNow ecosystem leverages flexible pipe, automation, advanced digital technology to deliver greater operational efficiency, increased uptime, lower non-productive time, remote operations, access to automation, and real-time data logging are just a few of the benefits. So if you want to find out more, click the link in the show notes or hit me up and I can point you in the right direction. Nick, so, I mean, we talked a little bit about dig and, you know, differentiation, but like, you know, I want to get to know a little bit about you. You have such a unique story, man. In another podcast you were on is, is you were on David's, right? DRW's? A while oh, back. man, I'm going to get mad if I don't mention that. Yeah, I was on DRW's. That was actually the first one that I was on. man. What right. A, and, and one thing, you had a compelling story, you know, and, and you kind of explained. So you, you do a golf tournament, right? Which is to help raise money for, you know, the organization and the things that you're doing. So I'd like for you to share that story, man. It was really moving to me when I heard it. And, and I think it's worth sharing to my audience too. Absolutely. Yeah. So back now, four years ago, because my youngest son just turned four, my wife and my brother and I started a nonprofit organization called Down for a Cure. And I'll try to make this as quick as possible. But hey, that right. all started. my oldest son, Jackson, was born 2010 in Midland, Texas. And he was born with what's called cystic fibrosis. It's a genetic disease. It's recessive. My wife and I are both carriers and neither one of us had any idea what it was prior to. And it's the disease that causes people with cystic fibrosis to have extra thick mucus and which doesn't sound all that bad except for it sticks to the linings in your stomach and, and oftentimes in your lungs and causes lung issues. So my oldest now is doing two vest treatments a day, 20 minutes at a time that simulates a thousand coughs, right? And he's just trying to loosen up that mucus. And then he also has to take enzymes to help digest the food. His pancreas works just like yours and mine, but the enzymes are blocked from getting to his stomach to help break that food down. So we've learned a lot about it. Like I said, 10 years ago, we didn't even know what it was, but it's been a wild ride. So for the first you know, six years of Jackson's life, 
we were just very involved with the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. And all our time and effort were spent helping those, those folks out because they're amazing people and one of the best charities in the world. And that's not just my opinion, that's a rating that 93 cents on a dollar goes to research from the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation. So it's an amazing, amazing organization. But then four years ago, our youngest son, Lincoln, was born. And we knew that cystic fibrosis was a possibility. You know, there's 50% chance he was a carrier, 25% chance he didn't have anything to do with it, and 25% chance that he had cystic fibrosis. And through about 65 days in the NICU and PICU combined, it was determined that he had cystic fibrosis as well. But initially, when he was born, the first thing that we found out that we didn't know through the pregnancy was he also had Down syndrome. So as soon as he was born, the doctors knew we were given the news and just scared to death. We didn't know. Obviously, we know folks, we've got a a niece that has Down syndrome. So we've been around that. But the thing with Down syndrome is, is you don't know how severe it is, how it's going to affect. And so the unknown, right? The unknown is something that's been a tough thing to deal with. The unknown we're dealing with in our industry, you know, all of that. So at that time, my brother and I said, all right, it's time. We had talked about putting on a golf tournament to raise money. Our family reached out to us. What can we do to help our friends, the oil and gas community? What can we do to help? So we decided to start down for a cure in order that folks could have a place to give and they know they're affecting, you know, families that are affected by this. But we're doing the dirty work of looking through, hey, this is a great organization. This is a great cause that, you know, that that sort of thing. So right. we started the nonprofit down for and our last live golf tournament, unfortunately, this year we had to go virtual, but our last live golf tournament, we were able to raise over $107,000 to go to our foundation. And 95% of that is oil and gas people. And people ask me why I love the industry. And if you want a, a really long explanation, I can tell you all about it. But <laughs> it honestly is the people. I've had opportunities to, to leave oil and gas. I've, I've worked in other industries, but man, Oil and gas is stuck with me as long as they'll have me because yeah. of because of the people that are in it. And the key w- with our organization is my family gets none of it. It's my wife, my brother, and myself. We we handle all the money and we try to find people that, that we can help. And here recently, a quick story about where that money is going. We got contacted by a family through the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation, pointed, us, pointed them to us. They have a daughter who has a, a rare bacteria that affects cyst- kids with cystic fibrosis very, very, very negatively. And there's not a lot of research on it. In order to direct the funds within the CF, within the Denver Children's Hospital, it has to be a certain amount of money. So they were looking to us to be able to collect the money they had and then, you know, kind of siphon it through. And, and I got to talking to my brother and my wife and I said, look, $10,000 is the minimum donation to be able to point it in the right direction. We're going to give $10,000 through down for a cure to get this thing started. And then anything additional that that family was able to provide would just be icing on the cake. So that's the latest thing that we've been able to do is just give $10,000 to help kickstart this research for this deal that's affecting kids with CF. So. Wow. Good for you, man. That has got to be one of the most rewarding and gratifying feelings to be able to help a family like that. Like that's amazing, man. And I, I cannot imagine, I mean, I have two kids just the added challenges with not only, you know, career, kids, being a husband, you know, being a friend, and then, you know, the challenge along with, you know, having to put in, you know, extra effort and really just the emotional ups and downs I can imagine that you and your wife have experienced. How have you navigated that? And I guess, what have you learned since, you know, working through all of these challenges remaining positive, keeping your, you know, head above, you know, water, because <laughs> obviously I'm sure there's days where you just, I mean, just like everyone, I guess it's relative, but I mean, 
how would you summarize just like the faith that you have to continue to progress and, and to overcome a lot of these walls and hurdles that you've come up against? I think the faith word is the key. I mean, that, that's just been something that's been very strong in my life is my faith background and my belief that, you know, we're here to get to a better place. Right. And while we're here, we need to impact as many people as possible. And, you know, when you start to question, is all of this stuff worth it? And, you know, all, all, all of these things that we're doing, do we have enough time to do it? You get things that happen. This family reached out to us on August 7th. And that date is not a there's nothing special about that date other than that was the day that we were supposed to have our annual golf tournament live and in person. So the day that we were supposed to have our tournament and it was we were affected by COVID and we couldn't have it in person, we were all down in the dumps and we get this phone call. And I just said, you know what, this thing is blessed. It is something higher working through us. And we're just we're just the ones that are, you know, trying to do as much with it as we can while we're here. And, you know, through faith, and I think you can attest to this with all the things you've got going on, it takes an unbelievable wife yes. to do everything that we're doing. It takes an unbelievable support system from your family and friends. Mm-hmm. It takes understanding friends and knowing all the different things that you've got going on. So surrounding yourself with good people is a huge part of it, right? And then looking at things as you get dealt a hand. And I try to teach my kids this all the time. I said, life is not, I tell them life is not about what happens to you, but it's how you respond to it. Right. And look at it as, you know, a negative, or you can look at it as an opportunity. If you step back and think about it, it's pretty simple. If you look at everything that happens to you in your life as an opportunity to grow, it's much easier to have a positive outlook, right? If every time something happened to us, we said, oh, woe is me, or, you know, this this is terrible, and, and you all are in your, your own misery, you get nowhere, right? It's like I told somebody the other day, it's like riding a stationary bike, right? It gives you something to do for a little while, but you don't get anywhere. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we just try to look at everything that happens or, you know, as an opportunity. And we truly, you know, once we've stepped back from it, we're like, man, God can only give you, he only gives you what you can handle. Right. And so we just step back and we go, man, we don't know why you think we can handle it, but let's roll. Right. Let's go with it and see where we take it. So yeah, that's the here started and and that's where we're at now. That's so cool, man. That's something that I always try and reflect back on is something that I was told a long time ago, which I don't remember who, you know, told me basically, Life happens for us, not to us, right? And God will never put you in a position that you can't handle. And you're right. I mean, I think a lot of it just comes back to perspective. A lot of people's perspectives, especially in Western society, are so skewed just because of how fortunate we are to live in a beautiful country with opportunity. And I think a lot of people get put, have blinders on. And then, you know, anytime they have to, you know, they, they kind of get bumped off the path of, you know, again, relatively speaking, pretty sweet here in, in North America, the whole world's crumbling. But in reality, it's, you know, you can pretty much overcome anything. And especially here with the resources that we do have as a country, and you know, as a nation, it's, yeah, I mean, it's not letting it get you down and having people like yourself, people to help motivate and create optimism around certain things. It's good. And, and you know, going back to the people thing about oil and gas, I mean, it's amazing as a community within oil and gas on how we're so willing to help each other. I feel like, you know, and you hear it all the time, oil and gas is, it's a small industry I and mean, it's kind of its own family. And I mean, I've only ever been in oil and gas. I mean, I got into oil and gas when I was 18. I don't know any other industry, but I'd be willing to bet that it's not quite as family oriented. And I feel like sometimes it's oil and gas is it's us against the world. 
<laughs> so we all have to stick stick together because the only people who love oil and gas is people in oil and gas. Everyone else loves the benefits that come from it, but they don't like the drilling and the fracking, right? <laughs> so it's yeah, it, it's man. it's kind of funny, but man. So backing up even further, man. Like, so where are you from? I don't think I ever asked that. Yeah, I was born and raised in Indiana, middle okay. of cornfield. Uh, <laughs> no way. Yeah, I knew nothing about oil and gas, the industry, or, or what it had to offer when I was growing up. But grew up there, went to a small private college in Indiana, played football and baseball. And when I was done with school, I had the opportunity to be a graduate assistant. So I coached football for three years and got my master's degree oh, down, in, for you. down in Joplin, Missouri. And that's where I met my wife. So I had the opportunity to go over and play overseas in Australia. I turned it down. I don't You're talking know about fo- football or baseball? Football. Like American yeah. football? American football. So they're trying to grow their, this is by no means a testament to my talent. It was a testament to the people. I, there was two guys that I went to school with that went and did it before me. Okay. They were player coaches. They're trying to grow the game of American football over in Australia. Cool. And they had the opportunity to go over there and be player coaches and had an absolute blast. And it was something that I explored a little bit, but graduate assistant jobs are, are few and far between. So I went down to Joplin, Missouri and had the opportunity to coach. And, and like I said, met my wife and just haven't looked back since. So Nice. So then how did you, because you've been on the directional side for a while, right? Tell us what's the journey been like there? Yeah. After my third year of coaching, I decided I wanted to do something different. I wanted to be able to coach my own kids one day when I had them, if, if I was yeah. ever blessed enough to have kids. And so I made the decision that it was time to get out of the coaching business. And my defense coordinator at the time, his brother, that was back in 2000. Eight, and then after that, moved out to Midland. I was in Louisiana for about a year, and then moved out to Midland with Pathfinder, and kind of worked several different jobs, and then ended up getting on the on the motor side of the business, which is where where I've kind of grown my career. I think there was an opportunity to run the motor shop over there. Took that opportunity, did that for a little while, and then they they said they wanted to open a motor shop in Denver, Colorado, and I was like, we've been in Midland four years. It's time to move. Let's go. That's a sweet move, man. <laughs> it's a great move. It's a great move. The only problem with moving to Colorado is if you if, if I heard, hey, there's 300 days of sunshine every year, one more time, I was going to lose it on somebody because yeah. that's what everyone says about Colorado. But I wish the salespeople were. You know what? There's a lot of sunshine here. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I wish there was less people, but that's, okay. that's for another story. <laughs> okay. Another is it, it, do you wish there was less people or less of a certain type of people? Yes. <laughs> hey, you get you give up one set of problems for another, brother. That's it. Yeah. That's so it. yeah, man, I love Denver. I was there. I lived in Denver from 2012 to 2013. That's actually where I broke out in sales. And what a heck of a time being a, a young salesman in Denver, Colorado, man. It's it reminds me of Calgary where everything's downtown. You got all your all your bars and coffee shops and everything just right there. And so I mean, the ability to network is, <laughs> you can be super productive as a salesman in Denver. But yeah, I mean, how was the move? For, I mean, just, does your, did your wife like it? I mean, was she pumped about the move? I would imagine. Coming from you Denver. loved it, man. And another, you know, just a blessing for our family. Shortly after Jackson was born down in Midland, the Denver Children's Hospital is the number one research hospital for cystic fibrosis in, in the world. Okay, there you go. And so... So yeah, it was it was an unbelievable move for us, not only professionally, but personally as well. Mm. So that was a great deal for us. 
We loved it up here. We still love it up here, man. It's an unbelievable place to live. If you ever get bored in Denver, that's it's your own fault, right? Yeah. We live just north of town, so we spend time in the mountains. We spend time, you know, my brother lives up in Fort Collins now. We spend time with them up there. It's an unbelievable place to live. And, you know, Telluride is probably my favorite place in Colorado, but it's, so it's a little bit of a hike. But we've found great people, great friends, and obviously the hospital network has been unbelievable for us. So yeah, so yeah, we moved here in 2000. So I guess we we were we we were living here at the same time and didn't know each other. I was not in okay. sales in 2012. I didn't get into sales until 2015. Okay, when I made the transition from running the motor shops for Slumberjay. At, at that time, Slumberjay had bought Pathfinder, so I was running the motor shops for Slumberjay, and then moved over to Dynager to sell power sections. So still involved with the motor side of the business, but just on the sales side and, and, and selling equipment, getting out and meeting a lot of my competition, what was my competition when I was building motors for Slumberjay. And it was great. It was, an, it was an awesome opportunity. I learned a lot, traveled a lot, met a lot of people. And then about three years after that, I transitioned to QES, who was one of my clients at the time, because it allowed me to stay in Denver. There was an opportunity to move to Houston. We weren't ready as a family move because of the hospital situation and Lincoln just being born. So I went to QES and did directional sales for them here in Denver for a little over two years. And then here recently, a good friend of mine, Seth Fry and Kaylin Kanan both were at Lean and called me and said, man, we've got this thing going on. We've got Arcotech. We want you involved in the motor side of it. We're going to create DIG, which is, which is why we're on the call today. You know, we want you involved in directional. We want you involved in motors. We want you involved in the power section. So I'm sitting here thinking I love both of my last two jobs and I've got the opportunity to do them both together. Wow. Why the heck? Right. So January of this year, right before all this stuff happened, I decided to make a jump and here we are. So dude, that's awesome, man. I think, you know, some might say timing was bad, but I think timing for you was perfect because I mean, you, you establish yourself, you kind of you build a reputation, you do a good job, and you really just help position yourselves for this thing to take off. And so, I mean, I think you're sitting pretty, man. So, so tell me, and it's funny because when Tim, again, Tim Taylor for everyone out there, he's a good buddy of ours. And he reached out and he said, Hey man, would you, you know, would you be considered having this guy on your podcast? And I see your email and I was like, well, I know Nick Williams who works at Lean, And I also know that I'm assuming dig smarter is something to do with direction. I said, either it's just a super coincidence or he's got some side hustle things going on. So for people who aren't maybe familiar with dig and then the relationship with lean, can you kind of help break that down? And then, and then I'm curious to hear more about dig to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. So dig is a sister company to lean, just like Arcotech and Conroe machine. They're all under the same umbrella. Hmm. So we've got, we've got Pegasus trucking as well. So there's Pegasus trucking lean, directional. We've got Dig Motors. We've got Conroe Machine. We've got Arcotech, which is a power section company. And they're all part of the same family. So like I said, when I was brought over, there was an opportunity to be involved in, in multiple facets of it. And one of the things that we were trying to do is, is take our motor, all of our motors and have the ability to have just a rental company with just straight motors. So, so that we could talk to the operator, we could talk to other directional companies, we could, anybody that wants a motor, you know, here's our brand. Right. And I've had the opportunity to kind of help build the brand awareness for dig and, and build what we're trying to do with dig and, and get people to understand the flexibility and what we have at our disposal, having the probably what I would consider the best machine shop in Conroe and 
in Conroe Machine. And then Arcotech has established itself as one of the top reline kind of, uh, power section companies in the industry. To have that at the disposal is a dream for any motor shop guy. For any oh, guy that's yeah. ever been in motors, to put those things at your disposal is just unbelievable. And then to go to customers, operators, and say, hey, do you want to, how, how involved do you want to be, right? Do you want to own your own motors? Do you want to have your own fleet? Do you want to get involved in the design process of the lower end? Do you want to have a custom power section that only you can have and you are using on your wells to set records or, or, to, or to drill in certain areas? Just the flexibility that it provides and the adaptability, I think, I think both of those things are going to be huge as we go forward and we see what, what this industry is going to look like moving forward. Yeah. So what would you say the future looks like for you guys over there? Because I mean, it sounds like you're somewhat vertically integrated. And I mean, it sounds like a pretty sound business model. I mean, where do you see your guys in, in, in you know five years from now? I mean, what does that look like? You know, and I don't think this is my idea by any means as far as where we see the directional business going, but we see, you know, every day operators want this motor from this company, this MWD from this company, their own guys, however it may be. So the ability to have kind of a la carte selections of what we're doing is kind of what's, you know, spawned this idea, you know, because 50% of, you know, something is better than 0% of something, right? Yeah. You don't eliminate the opportunities that you have just because you want to say, no, we got to give you, you know, it's got to be a full package deal from, from company X. Right. We don't get stuck in that, right? That, that flexibility that I was talking about to be able to say, Hey, you want to, you want to work with us on the motor and, and to go to other directional companies, to go to straight to operators. We have the ability to kind of expand our customer base by, you know, separating out what we're doing and, and having a different product line. Nice. That's good. So you said you're, you're involved too, with like a lot of the marketing and brand awareness and like branding and stuff like that too. Hey, so I mean, do you like that part of the part of the business? Cause obviously you're a technical guy, you know, sure. working in the power sections and now you're kind of doing, you know, marketing and sales and marketing are completely different. You know what I mean? Like I, they obviously yeah. one ties into the other, but just cause you're in sales doesn't mean you know how to market anything. And so what's, what's been the experience like for, for you on the marketing side? You know, the biggest takeaway I have is that anyone that has a title of sales and marketing manager, I'm just like, God bless you, man. That, that, that's gotta be, that's gotta be tough. No kidding. Right? That, that is the biggest thing that I've figured out or learned is it's just sales is here and marketing is here and they're not the same thing. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> but they both have to work together and you have to be strong at both of them to get people to understand what you're doing. Yes. And it's essential to have strong components of both. And I couldn't feel more fortunate working with Tim and, and what he's done for us. And, and what he's taught me is just, you know, talking about targeting your, you know, a target audience or talking about different ways that you can get out on social media and use LinkedIn or use Facebook to your, to the biggest advantage. It's one thing to post, but it's another thing to know how to use the formulas that LinkedIn, LinkedIn has built in to maximize the number of people that see that post, right? And to mm -hmm. understand what your audience is. And then not only that, but like, Everybody likes a like, right? Everybody loves a reaction, yep. but then to be able to target that, follow it up, and then do something with it, right? It's huge, right? It is, and there's so much strategy that's involved with that. And I think good people who are good at marketing are very aware of trends and you know how to get information about companies or about you know in certain initiatives in front of the right people. And so it's about maximizing your time and money spent on, okay, if I'm going to spend 
you know, X amount of money on creating content, how do I make sure that it gets in front of the right eyes? Like there's such a, an art to it and it's a different language. It's a whole different world, but there ultimately there's people out there. And again, are going to plug Tim at midnight marketing who do just a phenomenal job and have, I've seen help really just propel a lot of startup companies or even, you know, companies that are well-established re reimage themselves and reinvent themselves to retell the story. Cause I mean, let's be honest right now, especially with unconventionals, it's pretty much commoditized so much that, I mean, unless you can kind of differentiate yourself somehow and then being able to tell that to the right people, it's extremely challenging. And I mean, you may have the best tool in the shed, but unless people know about it, it doesn't really do much. And so it's, yeah, man, that's a whole new world that even I've been super interested in over the last, probably the last year, year and a half, especially since starting the podcasting stuff, you know, cause that kind of ties into it as well. But it's a fascinating arena that it's cool to see oil and gas really focusing on it because back in the day, I mean, we're probably the, the latest adopters to social media marketing and just marketing in general. I think we were so stuck in, you know, here's some pamphlets and here's some, you know, freebie swag that you get at an AED conference, which conferences, in my opinion, are, are a dying breed. So yeah, it's like we gotta we gotta figure things out, and I think slowly we we are figuring things out. Yeah, we're getting there. You can have the biggest sales force in the world, but if you're not touching every ear possible, I mean, you're getting it in front of every, more eyes, right? Mm -hmm. And that storytelling is is something that's huge in the marketing world, right? Like yeah. It's one thing, hey, there's there's Dig. It's another motor rental company. Everybody's renting their motors, right? We've all got availability because we went from 900 rigs to 200 rigs. But what differentiates us in, in letting people know that we have ArcoTech, that we have Conroe Machine, that we have the ability to adapt to any situation. And like I said, you, you know, your engineering team can come in here and, and be as big a part of it as you want or as small a part of it as you want. Hey, we trust your processes. This is what you want to do. Some guys are like that. Other guys want to know what type of knuckle drive we're running, what type of you know, bearings do we use? They want to get down in the weeds with us. And, and we offer that opportunity to do that. And, and I think one of the things that Tim was like, he was shocked at, I was like, Hey, here's what I want on the website. And he goes, you're gonna put pricing on the website. Why not? And he goes, because nobody else does it. And I go, well, maybe that's why we're doing it. I don't exactly. know. Exactly. I love that, man. Hey, no one else is doing it. When people are zigging, you got to zag, buddy. You have to, right? And it's all about, that's part of the vision, right? Is to be as transparent as possible. We're going to get to the point where we're set up to where, hey, I need to see a motor tear down, but I can't fly to Midland or, or, or to Houston, wherever it's being torn down. Cool. We got cameras set up, man. Here's your login. Watch it from your desk. Hell okay? yeah. That's cool. You can watch that motor be built from your desk. You can watch it be torn down from your desk. Anything that you want to do, we've got to be able to adapt, right? Because who knows what the next COVID is? It might not be whatever, but mm. I don't know what that's going to be. But if only way we can get to people is how you and I are doing it right now, then we've got to be ready for it. Yeah. We can't just we can sit here and complain about it. Again, go back to what we talked about earlier. It's, <laughs> yeah. either, it's, it's either sit here and complain about it or it's an opportunity. Here's an opportunity to differentiate ourselves and we've got the things in place to do it. So let's attack it. Yeah. No, man, I love it, dude. I think you guys are on a, at the tip of an iceberg and of course, wish you nothing but the success. And it sounds like, you know, you don't need my, you know, initiative or help to get there, but it sounds like you guys are doing great and anything I can do to help support you guys with OGGN and, and, you know, my outreach, man, I'm always willing to do it. A couple last questions I have and more on the personal side of things is, 
I mean, first and foremost, man, like what do you like most about your job? What do you find most fulfilling about what you do over at Dig and, and being a part of the Leem and all that? Yeah, for me, everything that I do goes back to family and the flexibility of being in sales outweighs the flexibility outweighs the frustration most of the time. <laughs> but the yeah. ability to, to do everything that we do, right? To be involved in people's lives, to have an impact, to still be able to work on down for cure on the side, be a dad, coach, you know, my kids sports teams and that sort of thing. That's the bigger picture. On a day-to-day basis, I love to solve problems. I don't look at my as sales as, you know, I'm pitching this or I'm throwing you this. I want to solve problems, right? It's one thing that I've always been interested in doing and helping people, you know, get better at what they're doing or, hey, we're having an issue here. Let's solve it. Let's sit down and go through the issue, take it step by step and provide a solution. So that's probably my favorite part of being on the motor side and, and, and dig and, you know, just directional in general. It's like, look, we can go faster, but we got to do it together and we got to yeah. work on it and, and make sure it's right for everybody. Absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. So, you know, aside from obviously the stuff that you got going on within the family, is there anything else about you that not many people know about? I mean, you've been on a few podcasts now. You've obviously, you're very open about, you know, with what you got going on. But is there anything kind of unique about yourself? I mean, any unique hobbies or something that, you know, maybe not a lot of people know about? Man, I'm a, I'm a pretty open book, I would say. What about any daily routines or habits that you might have that are kind of unique or, or stuff that kind you of know, keeps you? My wife and I, there's something my wife and I have started here recently that's been just awesome is we get out we, every morning now. I finally convinced her to wake up early with me and we just go for a walk. And it's turned into like an hour long walk. And Good for you, man. We, we get time to talk and we get time to, you know, just have a conversation between the two, the two of us without having one of the kids asking for something or, you know, my phone ringing, you know, so that's something that, that we've done that's been awesome for us just as a, as a couple, as, you know, as friends, because it, we were friends for, you know, just, just building our relationship. Hell yeah. So that's, something that's been a huge thing for us now that the kids are of age that we can, you know, kind of let them sleep and, you know, we've got all these monitors for the kids and all this or whatever, so we can yeah. know what they're doing. That's been something here recently that we've done that's been awesome. And anytime I'm on the road, it's like walking with your wife on FaceTime is not the same as walking with your wife. <laughs> but we try to keep it going as much as we can. So that, that's something we've started here recently. Good for you, man. I think that time, that undivided attention with your loved one is like so important. I mean, because now, I mean, we're so constantly getting bombarded with stuff on our phones and just this and that and life and kids and everything else. I mean, to have that hour or even half an hour with your spouse to just reconnect is so important, man. It's, it's so refreshing. I mean, my wife and I, we have a similar version of, you know, ways that we connect and after doing it, it's just like, it's just like a breath of fresh air and it's just absolutely so important. So I encourage people out there. I mean, you know, it's, it's one thing to work yourself to death, but unless you can share the finer things of life and the simple things of life, like going for a walk and just not having your phone on you and enjoying that with your spouse or loved ones, it's an amazing thing, man. And it's just so healthy on so many different levels. So good for you guys, man. Yeah, for sure, man. And you know, oftentimes we forget marriage is work. It's hard work, right? You've mm. got to put as much effort as you do for anything else, right? You go work out. How do, how do you get in shape? You put in the work. How do you build a business? You put in the work. How do you keep a marriage strong? You put in the work. 
And that's something that you kind of lose sight of during the, the, I guess, the courtship process when you get the butterflies and everything's perfect and all that stuff. But yeah. man, it's, it's hard work. Yeah, hey, man, I'm here to tell you, I, I couldn't agree with you more, man. So last question I have is, is there a message you'd like to relay, assuming everyone in oil and gas is listening right now? Let's just say everyone in, that has anything to do with oil and gas got on listening to this podcast, man. What would be your message to the, to the oil and gas world? I think it would be just one of staying positive and being flexible, right? Being open to opportunities. One of the terms that should no longer exist in oil and gas is that's not my job. Mm-hmm. That should be out the window. Anything is your job and everything is your job, right? And if you can't help yourself today, help somebody else. And that'll eventually, that, that will eventually get you to where you want to go. Regardless of how small it is, regardless of how meaningless what you think you're doing is, help somebody else today and it'll help you get where you want to go. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That needs to be on a billboard on I-10 so everyone can see that every single day. Hell yeah. No, I appreciate that, Nick. Well, hey, before we wrap this thing up, I do want to take a moment to tell everyone about some upcoming OGGN events. Hey, everybody. It's Savannah from OGGN and here are the events on deck for October 2020. The first five events I'm going to list off are all online, so to start off the month, we've got the Women Offshore Conference, which is an online interactive event on October 2nd and October 9th. Second, we've got SparkCon, which stars our very own Mark LaCour as keynote speaker, and that one starts on October 5th and goes through the 9th. Third, we have the OilCom Conference and Exposition from October 13th through the 15th. Fourth, we have the Ignite Talks with Cognite from October 27th through the 29th. And to close off the online events, we have the SPE Annual Technical Conference and Exhibition, or ATCE, on the same dates as the Ignite Talks, which is October 27th through the 29th. Next, these two events for October are in person. First, we have the Energy API Golf Tournament on October 12th at the Kingwood Country Club. And next, we have the Energy API 30th Annual Sporting Clays Tournament on October 30th at the American Shooting Center. Lastly, and most importantly, we have our OGGN live streams. This month, we have three going out, so make sure to tune into those. First, we have Maintaining Critical Infrastructure During Lockdown on October 1st. Next, we have Material Reductions in Downtime that flow to the bottom line on October 15th. And last, we have Strategic Opportunities to Right-Sizing GNA and Achieving Free Cash Flow on October 29th. Now, these dates for the live stream shouldn't be changing, but they may, so make sure to keep up to date on these events by checking out the OGG on Facebook, LinkedIn, or website for more info. That should be all for October, so I hope you guys have a great month, and thank you for tuning in. Awesome. Thank you. And anyone out there in the Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey, come join the Hack and Whack crew for some old-timer hockey. We do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. Nick, it's been a pleasure, man. If people want to get to know more about you or what you got going on or even the golf tournament, can we put your LinkedIn link in the show notes and the website and everything? Yeah. And then the uh, alwaysdigsmarter.com is our website where you can go and customize your power sections, see what we've got to offer. And then LinkedIn slash alwaysdigsmarter is how to find us on LinkedIn. Yeah. Like us, follow us, and we're going to continue to innovate and continue to drop more things as we move forward. So we're excited, but man, I, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate this and glad to finally get on and chat with you a little bit, man. Yeah, no, it was great to catch up, Nick. I'm actually, by the time this airs, I will have already been to Denver, but I'm planning on heading up there in a few weeks. So anyways, I'll keep in touch, man. It'd be great to connect in person. So anyways, Absolutely. man, keep doing great things. Appreciate all the motivation that you've provided and all the help and just positive impact you've made on the industry, man. It's a blessing. So for everyone out there, always remember when the density is up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. 
Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.